tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Pole Hat. You know I am. You know what I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Man, that was slow. No. Join me as always, <laughs> Xavier Guerrero, and then our good friend Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? My uh, my spaceship is having some difficulties here. I'm sorry about that, man. I'm sorry. You know, space is fake and gay. Okay, so I don't know. It's hard. It's hard flying in a fake Fake space. space. It really is. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's actually harder than real space. (laughs) Little little known fact about fake space. I want to thank everybody who came out to Huntington Beach uh, for the live shows. Fire, fire, and I want to thank everybody who came to Ventura. It was a great show. Halfway through, uh, halfway through the revival, I decided to call Xavier Guerrero, who was on a date with a conspiracy smoke show, and they were. Uh, you guys might not know this about Xavier Guerrero, but he is in fact a uh, shroom farmer, and they were enjoying <laughs> the crops. Yes, and, exactly uh, what we're doing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So listen, guys, if you want to see us live, man, just go to samtriplee.com for all of your, your um, needs. Uh, yeah, we're, I'll have those taken down. I'll have them all. But Col- Calusa, California, we're at the casino December 2nd. And then we're going to be in Fresno December 3rd. Grab your tickets now at samtriplee.com. And uh, yeah, man, just anything you need, samtriplee.com. Go to samtriplee.com. Anything of mine you need. We have t-shirts. We have social media. We have uh, premium content. All there on samtriplee.com. And guys, we have a great episode for you today. It is is a lot of fire. We get into the basically the Tycos model of our galaxy. And guys, what you I thought was a fire episode, bro. It's very dense at first, and then we get some really great stuff as well. But, man, there's a lot of information to understand. Basically, the heliocentric model is a lie from the Jesuits. And it's it's like, man, when it clicks, you get it, dude. You really get what these guys are talking about. So uh, we really appreciate uh, Simon and Patrick for coming on. Anything else, guys? No, we're uh, go. New Broken Sim. New Broken Sim just dropped. Uh, check it out. It's uh, It's a good one. All right, guys, enjoy this episode. We go deep, homeboy. <laughs> Eric, open your mind. Drink. All right, let's get into it. Very excited to have our guest here today. We're going to go deep into his research. Uh, he's a researcher. Uh, I mean, I'm so excited for this episode. Please welcome Patrick Homequist. How are you? Hi. Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh... Good to be here. Uh, and 
the the research we're going to talk about it's it's called uh, the Tycos, and I am not the main uh, researcher here. So and and uh, Simon Schacht may may come into to um, uh, the discussion later. But what this is about is that uh, our solar system, uh, as it is configured today. Uh, heliocentric uh, with uh, the sun in the middle. That's the meaning of heliocentric, helio, sun in the middle. It actually does not work for a number of reasons. So, uh, and, and that is why also, I mean, we've been into this uh, heliocentrism uh, for the last hundred couple of hundred years but thousands of years before that we had the the notion that the earth is motionless oh here we have simon Whoa. welcome simon well, there we go. <laughs> how cool is this yeah so simon shack is the 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 main res the researcher who has done this work and he has written a book called the Tycos. And uh, what he's done is actually he picked he has picked up research uh, astronom astronomy that was uh, performed uh, quite some time ago in the 16th century. Then there was you know the Reformation. There was a was a science revolution. People could suddenly. Uh, do uh, actual astronomical research. Before that, everything was a sin, you know, with the Catholic, Catholic Church and everything. And what what uh, Tycho Brahe did was he, for decades, observed how the, the planets and the celestial bodies moved. And out of that, he uh, devised a model that is called um, the, Ty the Tyconian model and i think mostly be be because of of political reasons because you know the the catholic church was was still a, a major play back then and 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 you know this it's precise so he suggested in that model that the earth was motionless completely motionless at, and that the universe revolved around the entire earth in in 24 hours super interesting simon are you there uh no oh, he's muted you simon you've muted yourself uh it says can you so. hear me now yes, yes we now we can hear you is it possible to see you on Hello. camera camera simon are you gonna no come on i know i'm afraid not i'm sorry all uh, right i like it that's dangerous that's dangerous <laughs> i like uh, it all right Simon, welcome to the show thank you okay. so much for joining us here we're very excited to talk to you uh patrick's done a great job so far would you like to jump in with anything that uh, you've heard uh some of what he's talked about would you like to uh piggyback onto that yeah well i could uh maybe just uh very shortly uh, make a summary of what the Tycos model is about. And um, um, I've done, you know, because you asked me, or some of your friends asked me, why don't you give five points to discuss about? And so I did this today. 
And uh, <clears throat> in a nutshell, there are five points, but I, I won't read through them now. I just will say the first point is that the the Tychus model is, uh, of course, based on uh, on Tycho Brahe's original model, which said that uh, the sun is going around the, the sun goes around the uh, the earth. But Tycho Brahe was, for most of his life, he, he thought that the earth was immobile, didn't rotate around its axis. But his um, his um, trusty assistant, Longo Montanus, he then gave Earth a daily rotation. So just for this to be clear. So the ruling model for a hundred years was the Tycho's, it's called a semi-Tychonic model. It was that done by his assistant, Longo Montanus, who gave, rightly enough, he gave a, a daily rotation to Earth. So, uh, but so for them, for their their model had the Earth in the middle, the Sun, and uh, going around this uh, the Earth, and all the planets uh, revolving around the Sun, really. And uh, the only problem was that they they had no they had they gave no motion to Earth, no translational motion in the sky. They thought the Earth was in the middle and not moving. It was revolving around itself, but not moving. So what I have added to this is just this one thing. I have given Earth its own orbit in the middle of this dance that the Sun and Mars do around the Earth. And the Sun and Mars in the Tychus model are the two binary companions that compose our binary system. And what is a binary system? Well... We know today that practically all of the stars around us, more than 90%, and counting, because they, they keep finding that all the stars have a companion, are binary. So <laughs> logically, we should be binary too. I mean, they're, they're, they're telling us that the sun is a very uh, exceptional single star, but... Why would that be if more than 90% of the stars around us have a companion? So this is how this logically starts. Tycho's model is something, it's not something strange. It actually goes, uses logic and statistical probability, probability to, to, for its foundation. So if I, maybe I could share my screen later on. And show yeah, you, you can do it right now if you want. Uh, Johnny will Johnny yeah. will set you done. up. Yeah, done. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll, I'll do this and see if it works. Um, can I can you see my screen now? Yeah, we got yeah. you. Okay, but then I have to to access. Uh, is that only uh, fans? What is that? <laughs> Johnny, please. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, here. Here we see the Tychosium, which is which is the um, simulator of our solar system, right? And I've I've just opened it with this you can see you can see my mouse here. This is yeah. Earth in the middle. Yeah. Okay. And this the moon going around the earth, okay? And this is the sun. 
So I start like this, show you how the sun goes around the earth. So the, the earth is in the middle and the sun is going around now. I decided to, to show you like this because we've never showed it <laughs> gradually like I, I wish to do tonight. So, okay, so let's see. So what does the sun have around it? Well, it has Mercury, right? So I, I put on Mercury now. See Mercury? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Mer it's Mercury. very choppy, uh, Simon. It's but choppy. Okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. Yeah. No, it's not choppy for me. So it's no? maybe the. Uh... Uh, oh it, it looks fine on this end, and I'm recording it, so. Uh -huh, it should be okay. 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 Sorry. All right. All right. So uh, look at Mercury. It's going all the time in a circle around the sun, right? It's not doing anything strange. It's at all times, it is going around a perfectly uniform circle, even if it's offset. But that's just the way it is. Uh, it is this much offset. It is the same way in the Copernican system. For some reason, it is offset. It is eccentric to the sun. But anyway, if we now put on, we trace what Mercury does, we put on a trace function, we see what Mercury does. What exactly does Mercury do as a trajectory? It does this kind of strange, apparently strange, spirographic motion. Oh, yeah. But it's nothing strange at all. We just have to get used to it. This is a very important thing to understand before, I mean, at the very start uh, for comprehending the Tigers model is that this is a, just a natural geographic, uh, geometric um, effect. That's Mercury is always going around. This, it's always going around in a circle, but it will do these loops. So that's... When it when it goes back backwards, that's called the retrograde of Mercury, right? Yeah. Because you you may all know, hopefully, that all our planets they go backwards for a while. Like Mercury goes backwards for uh, maybe like twenty five days or something. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so now I, I I can shut off Mercury. Maybe show you Venus. Yeah. So I, I put on Venus now. Well, no, I, I leave Mercury, but I just take off the trace from Mercury. Okay. And I take off the trace of Mars because that's, that's disturbing. So let's see <laughs> Venus now. I, I, I switch on Venus as a planet in, in the Tecosium. Here is Venus, okay? Venus is the, the object that comes closest to, to Earth. You know that, right? Yeah. So see how we how just see how Venus gets close right now. How close it gets to Earth. It gets very close to Earth. So we put on the trace on Venus now and see what happens. Of course, the same thing will happen with Venus. It will also trace loops and we'll go backwards for about 50 days, you know. Here here it goes backwards backwards from uh, from the uh, an earthly crazy. For, for an earthly observer it will go backwards for a certain number of days and that's retrograde motion 
but it's nothing magic. It's, it's, it's just a natural geometric effect that will happen for an object that revolves around another revolving object. So this has to be very clear for the beginner to understand the Tychus model. There's nothing strange in this. It's absolute plane geometry that does this. Okay. And that's just the natural process of it because it has to catch up, right, with the planetary body that it's following, meaning it's looping around it. And if the other, if the body that it's following keeps moving forward, at some point it has to turn back around to catch up with it. Well, you can you can describe it like that, but it's it's much simpler than that. It's just that this is what is going to happen if you have a revolving body revolving around another revolving body, and you're in the middle. This is what's going to happen. And so, look at the beautiful flower that Venus does. You know, in eight years, it will do this five petal flower. That's art. Hmm? That's great art. It's pretty beautiful. And <clears throat> so we can now put on Mars, if you like. And I will, I will first have to switch on Mars, of course. Oh, what's going on? Okay. I switch on Mars as a planet. Wow. Here, I switch it on. Now we see Mars. You see also Mars goes around in, in a circle around the sun. But over time, it will also do this loop. So now I put a trace on Mars. Look at Mars, what, the, what Mars does, the same thing. But the difference with Mars is Mars is the only of our inner planets that uh, can <clears throat> come on either side of Earth with respect to the Sun. So to explain this better, I will switch off uh, Venus. Okay, switch off Venus now. Uh, switch off, please. Uh, you right. need oh, to oh, oh. Oh. take off the trace as well. Yeah, so now we're looking just at the sun and Mars going around our Earth. And, um, switch off the trace for a while and start the trace again for Mars. I go a bit slower now so we can see it calmly. Okay, so I put on the trace on Mars. This is what Mars will do as a trajectory over time. Sometimes, you see here, it's on the opposite side of the, of the sun. This will never happen for Mer Venus and Mercury, because Venus and Mercury are the moons of the sun. They are always, this is Mercury still on here, you see Mercury is going around here, but this, the Mars is different. It's not the third moon of the sun. Mars is the companion of the sun, because it will come on opposite sides of Earth. Okay? And the amazing thing, I mean, the, the thing that really caused problems to Kepler and, and even to Tycho Brahe was they couldn't figure out why Mars would do different size loops, you know, it, it would, it, because Mars can go backwards for 42 days and up to 82 days. So why would these loops be different? Well, that's because of the eccentricity, because Mars is also offset from the center. So this is why these loops will be different. You see they are different in size? Yes. And that was really hard for them to understand at the time. They didn't have these modern simulators to understand. 
that was really a head scratcher for them. And Kepler spent five years, or actually eight years, trying to understand what Mars was doing, because Kepler was only a mathematician. He was not an observer. He just he he was asked by Tycho Brahe to figure out what was Mars doing, and and. Because, but because Kepler was a Copernican, he, he, was, he was convinced that we are going around the sun. So it, it, it became even more difficult for him to understand the whole thing. So what did Kepler do to explain this? He, he did some mathematics, as I call it. He, he, made, he, said, he said, no, no, the planets are not going around in uniform circular orbits, first of all, they're going around in elliptical orbits. Secondly, they accelerate and decelerate. They have variable speeds. In that way, he was able to make it kind of agree with observations. But look, in the Tychosium, we don't need this. In the Tychosium, in the Tychos model, all of these planets are going at the same speed all the time. And in circular orbits. There's nothing bizarre. That, I mean, what is an elliptical orbit? What, what, what kind of idea was that? Oh, people are now so, they are now so used to this idea that the orbits are elliptical, so they have just accepted it. But the, nature doesn't do elliptical things so, that I know of. The, uh, nature does circles. And then why would the planets, you know, go faster and then, and then break and then go faster? Why would they have variable speeds? They explain it because gravity, because when planets come closer to the sun, it will accelerate. And when it goes further from the sun, it will decelerate. But that's just the way they have made it work. This is completely done away with in the Tychos. No need for that. So the Tychos is much simpler, even if it doesn't look at first sight to be simpler, because we have these biographic motions, it is much simpler. And, and uh, allow me to point out also, Simon, that this model is in agreement with actual observations. Yes, if, exactly. If we look on the positions, uh, yep. every planet uh, is in the position it is supposed to be uh, yes. during that time. So if we can put, we we can take put some any today, date today, and time and, and verify it against official records or against Stellarium, the positions will be correct. Exactly. And this is solved with uh, circular uniform motion, which mm -hmm. is, as you point out, Simon, much more uh, plausible or even possible, physically plausible, because if something is orbiting, it, it's it you it's doing it in a circle at constant speed, yep. and and the heliocentric model requires, for example, Mercury to vary its speed by I think it's thirty four percent in its ninety day orbit. So every 90 days, Mercury is accelerating and deaccelerating uh, according to the uh, heliocentric model. Uh, and to me, that is absurd. A so here we see where the Mars is today. And accelerate. 
Mars is, uh, guys, this is interesting. Today, Mars is pretty close to being in opposition to the sun. Right. So this is today. I just clicked on today. Okay, see? Mars is here and the sun is here, practically on the other side. And it will be exactly on the other side, maybe in a few days' time. Yeah, look. Yeah, if you if you can draw a straight line. So now, yeah. in, I think in a couple of days, in a couple of days, that you will be in opposition, which means exactly on the opposite side of the sun. So let's see here on the elongations. Yes, Mar uh, 174. If it's 180, it's exactly, if it's 180, it's exactly in opposition. So 174 is pretty close. 177. So uh, on um, on the 6th of December, Mars will be exactly on the other side of the sun. This will happen in, uh, in, in a few days' time. And what is that? What, what does the opposition mean? It means that that's when Mars uh, changes direction, you see? If we go back now, I go back uh, week by week. Uh, I go back a little so we can see what Mars does exactly. See? Now, this, okay? This is what Mars is doing now in these days that we are now living in. It is here now. I mean, this is, uh, okay, this is 11, okay? This is today almost, okay? Today is uh, 21, uh, yeah, it's 11, 24. Okay, so I have a Mars question real quick. He's just about to do um he's just about to do um a retrograde loop in these days. So Nowadays. retrograde is when it goes backwards. Goes backwards. Backwards. So <clears throat> what does backwards mean? Well well this is forwards, okay? Here, like this. Yeah. Forwards, forwards. It goes in the same direction as the sun. But then here it goes in the opposite direction of the sun. It does this backwards loop. And that's how <laughs> retrograde is explained in the Tychos. And um, why, why is this retrograde explanation impossible in the Copernican system? Because that's the important thing that I have put in my book. They reckon that the retrograde effect is caused by, you know, we are in the inside lane, and Mars is in outside lane, and so when we uh, overtake Mars, it will, it will seem like Mars is going backwards, okay? Well, that is an interesting idea, but it does not work. It is absolutely the, the opposite should happen. Why? Because, you see now, we, we do the whole uh, range of, of uh, um, widths of the retrograde loop, so, okay? The thing is, what we what is observed with these retrograde motions of Mars is that when Mars is closest here, if you see my mouse here, when Mars gets closest to Earth, the retrograde is smallest, is shortest. Whereas when Mars is retrogrades furthest from Earth, the retrograde is largest. Well, it should be exactly the opposite if it was a, a, an optical illusion of us overtaking Mars. It, it is a violation, direct violation of the laws of perspective, what they say. This could not happen in the Copernican system. as They, they say that, um, yeah, it's because we are overtaking Mars. Now, I don't have handy uh, another 
a Copernican um, simulator, but you can, in time, you can check it out for yourselves. You can go to Copernican simulator and you will see that it's it should be the other way around. You just have to get familiar with how perspective works. You can put your finger in front of your nose, look at a tree in the distance, and if your finger is closer to your nose, and if you move your head from left to right, the tree will move much more. If you put your finger further from your nose, the tree will move much less. But what is observed here is the opposite. And this is because the, the system is this way. The Tychus tells the truth, but the Copernican cannot explain that. It is impossible. So this is what. why am I so... Um, Adamant about pointing this out because it's not like the Tychus is just another system that works because it works. It works in all kinds. I mean, it, it, the accuracy of the Tychosome has now, we, we are now with Patrick, we have reached a really, really high level of accuracy. We can go back hundreds or thousands of years and they will correspond to all observations made by all the best astronomers over the centuries. Okay. So let, let this, this be very clear. It is very accurate what we're looking at. Let me and, ask real quick. So yeah. all, all stars have a sister star. Is that what we're here to understand? Yes. We can say, I, I believe that 100% of the stars have a companion. But the reason why they're saying they only 90, because maybe the remaining 10 has not, they haven't discovered the companion because the companions are very small, often. They are often very, very small. So let's talk about the, uh, this uh, exact um, topic. Um, Sirius B, the companion of Sirius A, the largest, the biggest, the brightest star in our sky by far, you know, you know, you, you all know about Sirius, right? Sirius is the brightest star in our sky. Yeah. Well, in the very late, uh, very late, they discovered. I mean, late. I mean, very recently, in the 18th, 19th century, they discovered that Sirius had a companion, but because it was so bloody small, and they called it Sirius B. It's extremely small, and um, we can see this in uh, here. Uh, okay, we can see this here in Sirius in my book. All right, guys, real quick before we go, I want to tell you about our good friend James McMahon at Copy My Crypto. It's crazy times out there investing, so you want to check out Copy My Crypto. It can help you kind of navigate through the crazy world of cryptocurrency. Guys, listen, the recession is underway. Fuel is through the roof and food prices are insane. People are beginning to lose their homes. But there can be a massive positive to this because recessions are where more wealth is made than in any other time in the economic cycle. Take the last recession. Those who invested in property and stocks more than doubled their money inside two years. But no market rose like crypto where people made 10, 50, even 100 times over the same period. That's what James McMahon did. On his Crypto with James YouTube channel, he told his 21,000 subscribers to invest in the same 26 coins that he did. Had you invested $100 into each of those coins, you'd have been in profit for more than $123,000. $1,000. Wow. 
His top pick of the year, a crypto called Phantom, went up a staggering 692 times. And remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it yourself. James will be sharing every coin he buys during this recession on his Copy My Crypto membership site. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest. You simply copy James. So to join the 2,800 members who copy James, go to copymycrypto.com slash Sam. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash S-A-M. It's your call. You can thrive in this recession or be another victim. Go to go visit the site and read every word now. Hey guys, real quick, I want to tell you about our friends at Lucy. Listen, a lot of adults choose to use nicotine, okay? But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. If you're one of the millions of adults who use nicotine, you know that not all nicotine products are the same. And there's one new product that stands above the rest. That's right, Sam. That product is Lucy Breakers. They're the only nicotine pouch that gives you a blast of flavor from the first moment to the last. Each pouch contains a capsule that you break open to release a rush of flavor that doesn't fade away like those other pouches. You know, the ones that rhyme with thin. They come in so many flavors, mint, berry, citrus, mango, even espresso. And you don't have to go to the gas station or the corner store to get them. You just order them online and they'll be shipped straight to your door. Every order gets free shipping. Plus, if you subscribe, you'll save 15% and never run out. Lucy Breakers look great and, you know, Dana loves them. She's uh, She loves nicotine. She loves taking them. And listen, so whether you use nicotine while working, creating, or playing, Lucy Breakers are an intelligent choice, okay? And they got a special deal for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order when you use the promo code TIMFALL at checkout. And shipping is always free. That's lucy.co, promo code TIMFOIL, to receive $10 off and free shipping. Visit lucy.co for more details, and we thank Lucy for sponsoring our show. Here comes the fine print. Lucy products are only for adults of legal age, and every order is age verified. The product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Okay, so this is the first photograph of Series A and Series B. Can you see this? Yes. Series A, Series B is a tiny little thing, okay? So the first thing I did when I started this research, I was uh, wondering how big is Series B or how small is it uh, in comparison to the big mother, Series A? Well, I fell off my chair because I found out that Series A is 205 times bigger than the small one. And that is exactly the same with the Sun and Mars. Sun, the Sun is 205 times bigger than, than Mars. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. a wow, pretty good, pretty amazing coincidence, right? And we are talking here about the brightest star uh, by far, the brightest, absolutely brightest. The next brightest star is twice uh, smaller. So Series A is an extremely important star in our sky. And it just happens that... It has a companion which is proportionally identical to uh, to Mars in, uh, in relation to the Sun. Okay, so I mean, come on, <laughs> that, that was that was something that really you know motivated me to go further when I found this out. I didn't read this on any book. It was I'm the first who actually 
noted this. I've never read it anywhere. So, um, <clears throat> so series is very important. So this is um, okay. To the left here, this blue this blue image is taken from Wikipedia, I think, and they show series A and series B. Okay, and then there should be series C, but we'll talk about that later. So this is how series A and B, these two pairs, are viewed from Earth. And so we could very well imagine that if you were standing on series A, you would see our system like this, the Sun and Mars and Earth. Why did they put Earth here? Well, because there have been studies that have concluded that there must be also the series C, but that's a longer story. There's a big French study that concluded that, yes, there must be series C, but it's not visible because it's blinded by the glare of a, the big star. So if you were on Sirius and looked to our solar system, you wouldn't see Earth because it's too close to the sun. Right. But Mar Mars is much further. So maybe Mars would be visible from Sirius, but not Earth. And uh, I've gone further with, with this discussion about Sirius. And at the end of this um, chapter six, I've shown that, you know, this is Sirius A, how it goes around. And this is Sirius B. It looks very much like Tychus, doesn't it? Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so to the right here, we have the Tychus. We just saw the, the Tychosium simulator, right? With the sun going around like this and, and, the, and Mars going around like this. And the, the, the closest distance that Mars gets to Earth is one, and the farthest is seven, okay? It's seven to one ratio. Well, we have a seven to one ratio in mm. the Sirius system as well. Get that, get that, guys. I mean, this is something that I haven't, you know, stolen from anyone. This is my own discovery. Uh, I'm the first one who have ever, discovered this you know it's i haven't discovered it. i've just you know noted it i put my finger on it so uh seven to one seven to one and series a and series b are proportionally identical uh, so let me ask you something so yeah. you have this with the earth the sun and mars then you have it with Sirius a series b and series c is mm -hmm. there anywhere any of the other planets do any of this? Are there any other sisters and brother planets in our solar system or any other solar system? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we have Jupiter and Saturn and etc. Well, we don't know about other things revolving around the Sirius system. No, I not that I know of. Like, but, but within our solar system, like, is it just the Sun and Mars that, that we're looking at here? Or are there other planet oh. that do oh, this as well. Oh, I see. The, well, Pluto has Chiron. Pluto, uh, you know, Pluto, the little, little planet which has been, it's been declassified now as a, that's not a planet. <laughs> they say it's just a, it's a minor planet or whatever. Pluto has a companion, which is called Chiron, and it's now defined officially as a, as a binary system. The Pluto-Chiron binary system. Interesting. Very few people know about Chiron. They don't talk yeah, about the, it much. And the, and the thing is also, I mean, there there hasn't been any confirmed uh, um, 
system, star system, that looks this, the same way as, as uh, our heliocentric model is supposed to look. Oh, we, we don't have a, oh. a system with a stationary star, a star in the middle. middle. Uh, we have never seen something that looks like us. <laughs> no, no. So, and and uh, as as we can see, when the the <clears throat> a system that we can study because it's close, uh, serious, uh, it has the exact same uh, proportions as the the Tycho's model suggests. So, I mean, it 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 makes sense uh, as above, so below. I mean, I, I find it much more likely that our system is similar to to the star systems we can study. So, uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, it's 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 more than ninety percent now. Uh, you see, the funny thing is that the, the in the last few years, gentlemen, in the last four or five years, they have discovered that. Our closest star, Proxima, you know Proxima? Proxima Centauri is supposed to be, it is, it is our closest star. Well, in 2018 or 16, they found that Proxima also had a companion. But that's the closest star we have. So you can imagine how hard it is to find these companions. You know, even, even our closest stars, they didn't know it had a companion until 2016. And then in 2018, they found that the Bonner star, which is also one of the closest stars we have, also had the companion. So we are talking about really recent discoveries of our closest stars that nobody knew until 2016-18 that they had a companion. They now have companions. So this is a you know, work in progress. You know, we all think that uh, astronomers have all, already discovered everything. And no, they're discovering stuff every day. So this is important, what I'm saying, as far as I, I see it, because I've been accused of going back, you know, backwards in time and taking an old, old and obsolete model. No, no I am actually using much, much of, of the chapters in my book uh, talk about very recent discoveries which are backing up the Tychos. I mean, I could never have been able to, to do this uh, Tychos book 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I, I would not have done this book, simply. So this is also important for, for people, you know, who, 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 who actually accuse me of going back or, you know, being backwards or uh, what do you say in English, uh, you know, old-fashioned. No, I, okay, it's an old-fashioned idea, the Tycho's model, but it now has come back in full, you know, uh, full logic, in full logic, because Tycho Brahe did not know about the existence of binary systems in his time, because there was no telescope in his time, and no binary system had ever been uh, observed. That's important to, to know as well. He so could let me not, ask so, something. Yeah. So, yeah. so in, in this model, we are the center of the bar bar barre center. Is that what it Barry is? Center? Barry center. Everything yeah. revolves around us. Yes. Well, let's take let's take the main um, 
let's take the main uh, okay here this is the main graphic in chapter four that shows the whole model okay <laughs> the basic graphic <clears throat> so yes oh, we are we are here okay we are here yeah. this is mars and this is sun this is sun and you know what i've what we have found out thanks Hold to on, patrick's. that's crazy dude do you know what we have found out thanks to the tycosium that patrick has done that okay what is this blue first of all what is this blue blue orbit that's the orbit that this the earth will do very slowly in twenty-five thousand years twenty-five thousand three hundred forty-four years uh, i explain why i got to this number in the book so don't don't think about this blue blue orbit right now don't think about it it's something that that will that just that takes twenty five thousand years to be completed so just think of this of the earth being here in the middle of the sun's orbit so this the earth is in the middle of sun's orbit and mars you know where mars passes most of the time when it gets closest to to, to earth exactly in the middle of this orbit of of the pvp orbit it just happens to pass at 56 million kilometers and the orbit here is 113 so it's exactly in the middle mars uh, i mean this was nothing that i could have possibly calculated as i started off this research That's but it came cool. out once we had the simulator going okay real quick for those who are listening because th there's a lot of audio and we've been doing a lot of like looking at videos here. I just want you guys to know that what we're seeing here is basically a layout of how our galaxy works. Okay. And what I find amazing is, you know, you have the lineup of all the planets as we know them, but their rotations say a different model. Basically what these gentlemen are, are presenting is that, the way we're presented is that the sun is at the center and everything's going around it. But this Tycho's model is that there are orbits around orbits that orbit around us. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, completely the... different than, and I will include if I could find this in the, in the, in, in the it's just uh, extraordinary. It's so crazy that. They basically, what they did was they took the center from us, moved it to the sun, and then made it look like everything was going around the sun, when in reality, according to this model, everything's going around us, and there's some orbits around the sun. Yep. I'm trying to break it down so people can understand it. Uh, let, let me just repeat something that Patrick just said, uh, that we have, not, we, can't, we have not seen any star system that is is similar to ours which means we have not seen any star that is immobile in the middle of various planets all stars have a small orbit i call it a local orbit of their own like uh, prox the uh, the centauri system is another binary system that's that's the next to close the star they are two stars revolving around each other they all have and and it takes to uh, I think it takes seventy nine years for them to go around each other. Uh, then we have uh, uh, the Sirius system. It takes fifty years, but there's no star that is fixed in the middle of the surrounding planets. 
Okay, <laughs> so I, I have just to understand. I flunked first grade, so I, I'm trying to uh, be <laughs> stupid to the to, so that people understand what I'm talking. What we're saying. Sure, sure, sure. What I am getting from this is that these planets all it have their orbits around the sun, and the sun revolves around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And wow. the sweet thing. Is- yeah, and the sweet thing with this is that this solves so many problems or things that we can wow. observe that is hard to explain. Because if when we have this model, the, the sun is moving around the Earth while the other planets is moving around the sun. Then, that is crazy! The, yeah, and then the retrograde is a natural consequence of that. It, it just happens. I mean, the retro- retrogrades we see from Earth. Yeah. And another thing that is so sweet with this as well, or, or anyone, uh, you know, into Graham Hancock and, and this, uh, uh, it's a series on Netflix where, where he looks into uh, old archaeology and, and concludes they had a lot to do with the stars and, and uh, no one. Yes, yes, it's, it was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I watched yeah, the series. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, and he talks a lot about the precession. You know, this slow slow motion of the stars that takes uh, uh, twenty five thousand three hundred and forty four years, according to the Tychos, and the precession. This motion is so elegantly solved in the Tychos model, because that is this slow motion that Earth does while the the sun and the other planets is moving around the earth because the thing with the precession is that we only it is only the stars that changes it's not you know uh, our uh, relation to the sun and the other planets they are not following the precession so it's it's the entire solar system uh, with the earth in the middle that is moving and uh, again, the the official explanation for the the procession, you know, that that Earth is wobbling, it becomes impossible because if the procession is due to motion that only the Earth does, then naturally our relation to the planets and the Sun would have to change as well. But it doesn't. Are, are you following here? Yes. Now, let me ask you something. Is it of your belief that the all of space is revolving around Earth? No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Just this galaxy. No, no, no. Well, uh, this is a... It's the a, solar system. It's a solar, solar system. system. Yeah. The, the planets within the solar system is... Uh, Earth is the central... So, planets. So in, in other solar systems, does this go on as well? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we, we, we cannot say absolutely sure, but as Simon talked about, uh, the Sirius system that is the most studied and most similar to our system, it's, it's very likely that we have a Sirius C, and that would be Earth in, in our case. So, yeah. So, so basically, space is full of is cluttered with similar systems like ours, binary systems. 
it's all over the place. They all they all have you know their own little positions in in universe, and uh, it's not the universe going around us. It's there. They have their own motions like this one we see here, and, and we are just like small you know, villages <laughs> revolving around each other. And even the galaxies that they think are so far away because they think the stars are so incredibly far away, so they interpret galaxies as galaxies, but they could just be particularly large binary systems. You see, um, this is maybe we can get on uh, towards you know later uh, uh, chapters of my book where yeah, where I talk about the distance to the stars. So the distance to the stars is calculated today. You know how, how they calculate it? Wow. They they say that well they they, they I, I wish I had a Copernican model to show you, but anyway, you know that they say that the Earth goes around the sun, right? Yeah. In an orbit which would be three hundred million kilometers wide, which is in our system the orbit of the sun. So it's just upside down, you know. It's a sun that has a three hundred million kilometer orbit. Sun is a the sun is just a big ball of fire. So that can the sun can to me it's it's not amazing that the sun goes very fast at hundred thousand kilometers an hour uh, because that's what it does. <laughs> but they say that the Earth is going at hundred thousand kilometers an hour around an orbit which is three hundred million kilometers wide. So what do they do? They take a picture of a, a certain star, uh, like in maybe in June, and then they wait until December. Well, well, let's see. No, first Mars. Let's say Mars here because this would be Mars, uh, March, March twenty-one, and then they wait until September twenty-one, and they take another picture of the of the star and they triangulate. They, they do a triangulation, a simple trigonometric calculation, and. And so they decide that the stars are really far away because if the baseline of this triangle is this wide, the stars will appear to be very far. But what do we what will we actually do in the Tycho system in six months is a very short displacement of only seven thousand kilometers. And seven thousand kilometers in six months, that is forty-two thousand. 633 times less than 300 million kilometers, which means that the stars are 42,000 times closer than we currently believe. Wow. And, I, and I've tested that. You know, it's not just like I've come up with this idea and then I've, I've obviously tested this in many ways and it, it checks out in so many ways. It's too long to explain here. How you know, close do you think they are? They are forty-two thousand times closer than we believe. So, so that means that our closest star, uh, Proxima, is within uh, within the distance of Saturn and, and, and Jupiter. Just like Tycho Brahe was saying, uh, Tycho Brahe was saying the stars can't be that far away. There can't be a, a completely void space between Saturn and the first star. Uh, the closest star must be pretty close to Saturn. Well, that is exactly what the Tychus tells us. The closest star, Proxima, is within... Okay, this is Jupiter and this is Saturn, okay? You see my mouse here? Yeah. This is, this is Saturn here. We can go close and look at it. It's beautiful. 
with the rings, you know. And this is uh, Jupiter, okay? Yes. Well, in the Tychos, <clears throat> I've done another graphic where I show that the closest star we have is is not here, but it it is it is the distance is halfway between the Jupiter and Saturn, but it's not here. It's down here. It's sixty degrees away from our plane, so it's not involved with our system. It's just. But it's it's almost as close as Saturn, uh, or uh, it's just further. It's just six point five AU. You know, Jupiter is about six, and Saturn is eight. I mean, it's it's somewhere between them, but down here, down here, sixty degrees down, and that's that's the closest star we have. So all the rest of the stars are, are pretty much further away. But why not? Why why can't we why can't we accept that that our closest star is, is almost as close as Saturn? Well, the people are saying you're crazy to say that. Well, why? It, statistically, we should have some stars being, you know, pretty close to us. But then the, all the rest of the stars are, of course, closer, uh, farther than Saturn, much farther, farther away. Uh, Seriously, is, is, is the sun as far as they say as it is? Ninety million. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they got that right. I think you know, there there's there are many things I have retained from from official. I have not, you know, just taken a, you know, just thrown everything in the and the in the what do you say? Thrown away the baby the bathwater. I I've retained many of the best of, uh, observations. You know why? And that I have to explain because the distances to the sun and to our planets that is calculated uh, uh, from when that, that's calculated by looking from you know 12 hours if you if you are here on the on the, on earth and then you, you go 12 hours around let's do the let's do it okay so i'm here now on earth okay yeah. and i'm looking at at some 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 planet down up there so i go 12 hours, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 12, and now I'm here. Okay, well, let's do this better. Let's say, okay, I'm, I'm here in Italy now, all right? Now, so I, I look at a certain, I look at the sun, and then I wait for 12 hours, and we, we know, I think we know very well the size of this of Earth, 12,700 kilometers in diameter. So these triangulations are correct but they are only made for our closest planets and 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 around us they don't you can't use the width of the earth to calculate the distance of the stars because it's too small so, so that's why they, they do they wait for six months and think that earth will do a big baseline <laughs> so there are many, many correct uh, distances uh, in the um, official official system. The distance to the sun, distance to to our planets. They are, yeah, my opinion, correct. So yeah, so I mean, the distance calculations uh, to the the planets and the sun is based on Earth's diameter, and the dis but the distance calculations to the stars 
is done based on Earth's assumed uh, assu- assumed, assumed heliocentric orbit, orbit uh, that is 300 yep. Yep. million kilometers. But if, ex- uh, in fact, Earth isn't moving 300 million kilometers sideways every six, six months, uh, the, that it's instead only moving a couple of thousand uh, kilometers, you know, in 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 one direction 7, as well. Seven thousand, yeah. Uh, then, of course, the the calculations mm. will be extremely off, and 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 they will point that the stars is absurd, very very far away, when they are in fact not that far away. And as Simon said, mm. if you if you Correct those now, calculations; they will be forty-two thousand times closer than than right. uh, assumed. Real quick, I want to tell you about one of our longest-running sponsors and one of the greatest American companies in the world: Blue Chew. Dropping hammer on the gods during Christmas. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you about Blue Chew. You love them. I love them. We all love them. It is American boners for American men, for American women, or American other men. Okay? It doesn't matter. We don't judge here. Just get those rock-hard boners going, okay? It's real simple, okay? Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet at a fraction of the cloth. I love chewing that because I can feel the boner coming, bro. You ever take that first chew and then you're like... Boom! Rock hard, veiny, ready to go to town. <laughs> right? You could take them anytime, day or night. So you can you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. When it's go time, it's go time. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, bam! You receive your prescription within a day. The best part, it's all done online. None of these doctor orders, doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. So the hot chick behind you wondering if you're, you, you, you know, you need a little help. Nope. 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 You need a little help. That's fine. You don't need a little help. I take blue chew anyways, because it's double boner action. Okay. Double Boner, that's right. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA. USA, USA. Dude, every time I say that, I can hear a hawk flying above. <laughs> An eagle, bald eagle. <laughs> All right, prepared. Or a ship. hawk, whatever. Sh- well, guess what? What if these Blue Chews are shipped by hawks? Okay. I could see it. Yeah, that's how powerful it is. So it's they're made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Not me. I asked them to have fireworks, okay? <laughs> so everybody knows Mayor of Pound Town's in the house. It's real simple, okay? So if you, you could use a little extra confidence when it's time to form, perform, Blue Chew can help. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code TINFOIL at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code TINFOIL to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for being one of our longest running sponsors on TINFOIL. So now I I wish to show um, our friends here. Uh, what is this PVP orbit? Why do I call it PVP, first of all? 
I'm calling it PVP Orbit. This is my invention, right? This is my addition. This is my only addition, actually, to the big uh, uh, Taiko Brahe astronomer. Taiko Brahe was the best astronomer of all times, in my view. But he missed the... I mean, why would Earth not have an orbit? Everybody in our universe has an orbit. So I've just added, logically, an orbit to Earth. Okay, so now we are under PV. We are under Polaris. The, the, our north star up here is Polaris. Okay, we can put a um, we can put a uh, polar line here. This line, this line here, points to Polaris now today, in in, in our in our epoch. Okay, Polaris. And uh, what what all astronomers agree with is that in about 12,000 years, we will be under Vega, which is another big star in our sky. So we now go forward. Every click I do is 1,000 years. One, let's see. Oh, well, now <laughs> it's going to go slowly because I have the trace on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, if I have the tracing on all the planets, I'm going to have problems with the speed of the Tychosium. Oh, wait. <laughs> anyway, the uh, Earth will be here in 12,000 years. It will be on the other side of this orbit and will be under Vega. We will, we will have Vega as a North Star in 12,000 years. Pretty long time. But this is... Uh, and then we could go back to Polaris. In 25,000 years, we go back to step to where we are now. So that's why I call it the PVP orbit. Polaris, Vega, Polaris. Let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. What are the chances that Earth is stationary? Is there any model in which the Earth doesn't move? No, no. It it's not stationary. It actually moves by at at one mile per hour. It it moves slowly in the opposite direction of all the other of all our surrounding planets. <laughs> and mind you, okay, I have to reload it. Mind you, this is uh, why why would Earth and only Earth go around in the opposite direction? Well, that in the atomic world, people who study atoms, they say that the electrons go, <laughs> they revolve in the opposite direction of the, the nucleus. So it's, yeah. it's almost like, uh, you know, the, the micro and the macro are, are alike. So I want to show you this now. Um, Earth is here now, okay? Now I put 1,000 years, every click here is 1,000 years. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, see? Now you can see Earth moving because I'm going, every click is 1,000 years. And now we click 12 times. I click 12 times now. Or, yeah, okay, here, 12 yeah. times. And we'll be on the other side of this PVP orbit, which is, which is my invention. It's something yes. that I've come up with. Exactly. And this is... Uh, simple, reasonable, and plausible explanation for the precession, yes. the PVP orbit. Because if the Earth is moving like this, then th that accounts for uh, the precession, that the stars slowly, slowly change 
uh, its relation to us. It's it's one degree every 72 years, I think, that the stars are observably changing. And uh, that also uh, means that um, our uh, North Star will change. And, I mean, you have heard of the, the age of the, the Pisces and the Aquarius. Yeah, yeah, this is the same thing. So every... Every 2000, uh, what is it, Simon? 2000, uh, yeah, here, here you have the. the 2112, the... Every, every 2112 years. I mean, we, it's divided as in a, this is a 12 uh, slices of a cake, okay? Yeah. 12 slices of a cake. <laughs> so we have to go, and to understand this better, I go to the date um, 2000. March 21, 2000, okay? On March 21, 2000, which was a couple of years ago, uh, the sun was between Pisces and Aquarius, okay? We are entering now the age of Aquarius because you know that the, the, the spring equinox is, is considered as the zero of our system. It's been considered for ages as the zero point. And it's funny because in this cycles, the zero point is the only moment in time where this Earth's movement, motion, is moving straight towards the sun. And it would always be like this. Every, every, in all epochs. Look, I go forward a thousand years and then another thousand. Okay, so it's about 2,000 years we, we will do. We will be in Aquarius for 2,000 years. And then we will enter Capricorn. Okay, sorry, my mouse clicks twice sometimes. One twice will be Capricorn, and in the next one and two thousand years we will go through Sagittarius. In the next two thousand years we'll go through Scorpio. In the next two thousand years we'll go through Libra. Actually, it's two thousand one hundred twelve years. Okay, but I'm going with two thousand now. So it's a bit more than that. So this is everything is explained in in such a in such a simple and elegant manner. There is, I, uh, there is what no role does the moon have? That that is, what role does the moon have in all this? Absolutely central, and that is another thing that in chapter thirteen and fourteen, of my book explain very in much detail. The moon. I call it the central drive shaft of our whole system. And how, how, how can I do that? How can I call it the central drive shaft? Well, here we go. I have this text today, which I wrote today, ready to go here to read. So um, let's see. Put this bigger. In the Tycho's model, can you read this with me here? In the Tycho's model, our moon turns out to be the central drive shaft of our entire solar system. As we multiply the moon's true mean synodic periods, which means uh, the time that the moon returns facing the sun, okay? I call it the TMSP, and that's 29.22 days. If you multiply 29.22 days by exactly four, 20 or 25, we obtain the mean synodic peri periods of Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Exactly for 20 and 25. 
Furthermore, if we multiply the TMSP by 250, we get Jupiter's period. 375, we get uh, Saturn's period. 1050, we get Uranus period. 2062.5, that's a strange one, we get Neptune. And 3100, we get Pluto's period. So the moon, this, the periods that the moon employs to go around us and face the sun again, you see, uh, you understand what a synodic period is? It's when, uh, when the moon is in front of the sun, you have to count a few days to see it coming back again, all right? And that's the average, the real average of that periods over time I've calculated is, is 29.22. And you, you, and that, but that works only in my system because I take into account also the little motion that Earth does because the Earth does move a little. So this is the first time this, this calculation has been possible to do. Yeah, so, so I mean, no. what, what, what you're saying here, Simon, is that all the, the other planets and the sun are uh, even multiples by uh, the moon's It's like a gearbox of a car. You have a central yeah. shaft, and the central shaft drives all the cogs, and the cogs are exact multiples of the central drive shaft's rotation. And the moon is our central drive shaft. Now, yeah. how could this be the case if the moon is just a little moon appendage that goes around in the third lane around the sun? I mean, the moon is insignificant in the Copernican system. It's just one, a moon, you know, like many other moons around uh, the Jupiter and Saturn. Our moon is not that important in the, in the mechanical way in, in, in the Copernican system. But here, it is. it makes complete it's total sense. Since it is in the middle of the whole system, it will. it is the drive shaft. It, 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 it turns out to be the drive shaft. And I think that's, that's maybe one of the most, well, that's most amazing things of, of this whole model. That the moon turns out to be the central drive shaft. And what do you mean by central drive shaft? What the what does that mean? It drives everything. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I mean, mathematically, it is the central drive shaft because one turn of the moon, if you multiply that twenty-nine point twenty-two days by four, you get Mercury's. Uh, uh, um, sign of the period, which is 116.88, exactly 29.22 by 4. If you multiply it by 20, you get Venus's periods. The time it, it takes for Venus to return in the same place in front of the sun. And, and then by 25, you get Mars, and then under 50, Jupiter, etc. This is not something that you can read in any astronomy book. Can I, can I ask, uh, wh what is it about what is it practically that they've gotten wrong? Is it is it is it their understanding of gravity? Why 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 are they persisting with these incorrect versions of uh, reality? Do you get do you get what I'm saying? Can you explain? That's a great question. Maybe maybe Patrick can answer that. Yeah, well, well, it's it's uh, interesting, and it's it's interesting how this uh, heliocentric model has been able 
to survive for uh, hundreds of years, even though when you start to examine it logically and, and geometrically, it, it doesn't work. It's not possible. So what we got here, I would say, is a, a new religion where we are... Uh, we are conditioned to think this is true. And, and, and because, I mean, if, if you want to uh, have a name in astronomy, you can't uh, criticize the heliocentric model. It's not possible. You, you won't have a job. And, but, but, I mean, this has happened throughout the ages and, and uh, because of all the observation and, and evidence, and, and it was a... A big uh, stir around the the heliocentric model in the in the nineteenth century, but you know, uh, Royal Society they they with the astronomers there they they uh, fought hard for the heliocentric model, and and then also and and we can see this today as well. To confuse the matter, they they there was a lot of talk about Earth being flat. Which is uh, completely absurd, but it confuses people, and it it's you know it's 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 mind control actually, and and uh, this is what's been happening uh, in my opinion that uh, during the nineteenth uh, the twentieth century, uh, by the use of mass media and 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 controlled science and education. Uh, there's, they've built a new religion mm. and, and put more and more dogma into it. At first, it was the uh, heliocentric model. And then you have a very strange, uh, mystical, uh, unconfirmable un physics, you know, uh, Einstein's relativity and quantum physics. It's You, you can't... Uh, you can't confirm it with any reasonable experiment or observation. And then, of course, as the icing on the cake, now we have uh, NASA and, uh, mm -hmm. and space, yeah. you know, space exploration. And uh, because they can put their cars on, on Mars or whatever, as they show us on TV, we can't question these very basic uh, things with a, with a heliocentric model. And and uh, and conclude it it doesn't work if we uh, examine it using uh, logic and geometry, but we can't do that because uh, you know then then we have to think that so much in our world is just an illusion, so, okay. what, which it is. So, what, what, yeah. all, all this this goes back to conspiracy. Okay. Would we say this goes back to the conspiracy? They want us to believe we don't. We're nothing. We're a speck of dust. Uh, we're not important because we're not the center. Of, yeah. You know, is that? Do you think that goes back to that conspiracy? We're not important. We're just a speck of dust. That we could just we're one in a million. Yeah, it it does. And and you know they call Earth the pale blue dot. You know today, it's just a little speck of something in the sky. We were so insignificant. And but to go back to what Patrick just said, there is one sentence that really summarizes it very briefly: the whole concept 
is what Sir Francis Bacon said many years ago. Knowledge is power. So they have, they probably, you know, Tycho Brahe is expected to have been killed by Kepler, his assistant. Kepler was just a young guy. He was 25 years younger. He was just a kid. <laughs> Almost, he was 26 wow. years old when he came into his studio. And, and Tycho Brahe asked him to calculate the orbit of Mars because he was a good mathematician. Kepler was a good mathematician. But he wasn't an observer. Tycho Brahe had all the observations. He had done the, the big hard work. But he somehow, well, he didn't like Kepler. They always argued all the time. But he, he hoped that Kepler would solve the problem of Mars. And <clears throat> since Tycho Brahe got so close to the truth, I suspect in my, my own conspiracy mind, you know, I, I don't like to talk too much about conspiracies in this case because uh, we, we don't need any conspiracy. We can, we can check this out for ourselves, and uh, that's what I've done. Um, right, right, real quick, real quick, though. Yeah. Um, so when you say, so you agree with the pale blue dot theory that we're just a speck? No. Yeah, yeah, Earth yeah, is an incredibly special place. Yes. We, we only know about life and, and water and, and nature. And, and trees and, and fish and, and and people on Earth, we we have never seen anything like it with our best telescopes. There is not no life as a, as far as I know. Maybe you know, maybe Sirius C is a twin of Earth. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. I mean, the the, the we reason... can see it. Yeah. We can see it. We can see it with the, the best telescopes because it's in the glare of the big star called Sirius A. And that is something which I would love to live another 10,000 years to, to, to discover. <laughs> we will never, I will never see this in my lifetime. But I suspect that Sirius C may be the twin of Earth. But they cannot see Sirius C with any telescope. Even though Sirius is one of the closest stars in our universe. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Can I can I ask what does this mean for space travel? What does it mean for the future of of the universe? I mean, is it is it? You said Einstein's models don't really work. So are, are we actually under threat of expansion of the universe and the universe dying? No, the heat, no, the heat no, death, no. or is that is that all no. fantasy? No, it's fan the expansion of the universe. It's funny enough. It was Ed Edwin Hubble that. It first came up with this idea, and he's always cited as the one who, who, who came up with this idea. But at the end of his life, ironically enough, he said he retracted that idea. He said, No, I don't think the, the, the universe is expanding. But you know why they're saying that the universe is expanding? Because since they think the stars are so incredibly unthinkably far away they see they calculate the speeds of the various planets that rotate around other binary systems as enormously quick you know the, the, the further you look at uh, you know at a more distant system the the faster the speeds will will seem to be so they say oh look 
that galaxy has um, planets rotating at incredible speeds, but that's because they think they are so far away. But if they were 42,000 times closer, the speeds would be more in a normal, more normal, you see? So <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all based on the fact that they think that the stars are so bloody far away. Mm. And, and that's why they think the universe is expanding. There is no expansion of the universe. The universe is incredibly placid and stable place. All of these, all of these systems like ours are extremely stable. And uh, the only, you know, <laughs> they've had to come up with chaos theory. I mean, in the late, in, in the 1990s, they said, "Oh, Newton's um, laws don't seem to apply in, anymore." Uh, the the uh, solar system is uh, in a chaotic state. Why do they say that? Because there there were these little discrepancies uh, caused by the little motion of Earth that I have discovered, humbly, <laughs> modestly speaking. Earth moves by 14,000 kilometers every year. So it does move from left to right here as we look at it now. It, it does. It does move a little. Mm. Let me show you. I, I'll put now like a year. We see, we see. Oh, no. I have to put like 10 years to, to show it here on the graphics. Okay. 10 years. You see that move? Yeah. Earth moves from left to right. Right. Does move, it does move. So it, it, there is a little motion, but that motion is unknown to all all astronomers. Interesting. Now, so, now, should your should your model make space travel less difficult, less challenging? It would seem like it it probably would, right? Look, space travel is impossible, I think, because impossible. we have an atmosphere. Okay. Okay. We have an atmosphere around us, which allows us to go up to hundred kilometers of altitude, but then you, you can't propel any rockets beyond that. So we never landed on no, the moon. There are no molecules to to push on. NASA says that the their rockets don't push on air, but of course the rockets push on air, and uh, they are, they they just come up with this idea that uh, the rockets work by recoil effects. You know, yeah, they just I mean, throw out. So they they have this example of throwing out uh, medicine balls from uh, from or from a skateboard, and then the skateboard will, will go to the other side, but. That, that's not enough to to bring a, a hundred thousand kilo rockets up in the air. Uh -huh. So there, there's never been any rockets in our. This, I mean, just just take this idea of mine, and Patrick also shares it. Take it as you like. You 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 might say that we we are crazy, not not cases that say this, but we really believe that no rocket has ever exited our atmosphere. No, I certainly, I mean, we, 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 we subscribe to that around here. You know, we think the whole NASA is a big laundering money laundering scheme. Um, I, I'm curious now, what does this mean? Your model, what does it mean for the threat of asteroid strike meteor impacts? Is, is, is that threat overblown? What do you, what do you think of that? Asteroids. I mean, I hope you don't I'm talking about the the, the last uh, NASA <laughs> mission that crashed into an asteroid. Well, no, no, no. Well, all. yeah, the dart thing. I mean, I think that's a joke. But but oh, I mean, we've seen meteors. We've meteors. Okay. The the history of the Earth. Look, you know, it, it suggests that there ha they have struck Earth. And I'm curious what your model yes, says about the meteors, likelihood of that. Some meteors have 
some meteors have probably maybe you know got through the the uh, the atmosphere which is really really it burns up almost anything that gets into it okay it burns up even big 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 rocks and maybe some meteors have fallen on earth i, I don't uh, i i can i can't believe that but if we want to go to that part of the discussion i will just if i may I'm not digressing really. I'm talking you're talking about meteors, so I'm telling you about <clears throat> meteors. You know the meteor showers that we have every year in in the same locations all over the world. You know, you know about the meteor showers? You know. Yes. You have the Perseids, you have the uh, Orion Orionids, you have all. Okay. They always occur at the same place, geographical location on Earth every year, annually. Year after year after year. Do you know how they explain these meteor showers? How? Well, they explain that that is Earth. As it goes fast around the sun, it crashes into the wake of comets that have passed over the years. But comets don't pass annually. No comets pass annually. Uh, Halley's Comet passes every 76 years. Uh, all other comets pass pass in even you know longer periods of time. So how can there be an annual meteor shower over uh, Rome, where I live? You know, uh, you know, in August, um, all the time, every time. Why could it be so regular? Well, that is in chapter. Uh, what is it? Chapter some chapter in my book. It's called. Um, I feel like I've seen that design somewhere too, right there. You know, like this universal it's... flower design. <laughs> yeah, you 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 have probably seen it within within uh, astronomy. I mean, these these are well known. It's it's called the flower of Venus, and and because in in uh, oh sorry astrology, because in astrology you always view. Uh, things or the motions in, in the, from a, a geocentric uh, perspective. Yes, that's where so, it's at. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's wow. it's pretty ironic because uh, uh, astrology are actually picturing uh, the motions uh, of, of uh, the celestial bodies in our view in a more correct way than. An astronomy. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So if you let, the, just let me, if you just let me finish the meteor story. All right. Uh, you see here. Uh, this this is uh, this is not my graphic. This is uh, a, a GIF animation taken from another astronomy website, where they show the two objects binary binary stars will have things revolving around them, you know, and sometimes crashing into each other. I mean, these dust particles uh, going around these two objects will sometimes crash and, and send stuff, you know, left and right. <laughs> so in our system, since we have the Sun and Mars, the Sun and Mars revolving around each other, they will uh, they will intersect in some particular places and creating the geminid meteor shower here 
then creating the pursuit shower here. And I mean, you need time to look at this, but I, I'm just showing you this uh, chapter 15 on my book. Uh, the Orionids shower will happen because uh, the, the solar orbit and the Mars orbit will crash here, etc. It's just because, and this, these are recurring things. These recur every year. These intersections of the orbit of Mars and the Sun. And I've even shown it quantitatively. I've even calculated how long would it take for meters to get from here to here. I mean, like one AU, uh, since we know that uh, these meteor showers occur in these states. And <laughs> I tell you, if you get, if you, if you put your head into this, uh, uh, this chapter, you will understand it. It's, it looks complicated for you now, but I have done my best to explain that the meteor showers are just the result of the periodic intersections when the, the, the orbit of the Sun and Mars intersect. And of course, the Sun and the Mars have dust around them. So they just, this dust, this dust is crashing and sending it towards everywhere and towards Earth. Ah. I mean, all so yeah, yes. To explain, so every uh, celestial body here, or, or the Sun and Mars in this case, they they have a, a debris field kind of around them, you know, yeah. uh, asteroids, right? In, and 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 they are moving, and 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 when they move across each other, th these will collide some of the stones, and and then yeah. there is will send smaller debris towards Earth. And Earth also has, we know that Earth also has uh, uh, asteroids in orbit around us. It's, they're, they're called near-Earth objects, and they mm -hmm. are very v visible. If, 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 you, if you observe the stars, you will, you will see these uh, moving things. But, you know, today they, they usually call them satellites. Mm -hmm. So we can confirm that there are satellites because we see uh, a moving star uh, and that is what we call uh, satellites so yeah so you so, guys there's a couple questions here that you sent me that I, I would like to ask you about uh and i like them why why does mercury and venus have no moons of their own <laughs> okay can i take this yeah of course <laughs> it's, it's your discovery i mean it's your <laughs> Well, why, why, in fact, indeed, why doesn't Mercury or Venus have a, a, have a moons? Why don't they are the only planets that don't have moons? Okay. Well, they don't have moons because they are moons. They are the moons of the sun. And uh, why do we know that they are moons? Because they, they, okay. So now we have to go back to an earlier. So Mars chapter. is a sister planet. Of the sun and and Mercury and Venus are its moons. Yeah, Mercury and Venus are moons of the sun, and, and Mars and also have uh, two small uh, moons. Exactly, exactly. Mars has two moons. I, I wanted to show this before, but do you know? Do you guys know that Mars has two moons as well? Very very small. Phobos and Deimos. That's why I tried uh, to. Learn. I would like to say yes, but I'd be lying. Here. You can see here, Phobos and Amos. Yeah. Well, Mars has two moons, guys. And the sun has two moons. 
And I'm saying that the sun and Mars are, are like a couple. <laughs> it's a couple. It's a, it's a man and a woman with two kids. The kids of the yeah. sun is or Mercury and Venus, and the kids of Mars is Phobos and Deimos. How many do, how many planets are there? How many moons are there? Earlier, uh, right off the top of my head, how many planets? I mean, Jupiter and and Saturn have like seventy or eighty moons each. Uh, you see. And they all go, they even go in different directions around around Jupiter and Saturn. They have some go in one way, some go in another. Did you know that? They, they don't go in the, in the same direction. Some go in opposite directions around. So there are many, many different kinds of moons and stuff. But the thing is that Venus and Mercury have no moons. Venus and Mercury are the only planets, the only moonless planets that we know of. Well, and why what how can we recognize how can we define a moon we can define a moon by saying but by by verifying that it always shows the same face to its host and that is exactly what venus and mercury do both venus and mercury always show the same face to the sun but that doesn't mean they they show the same face to us but this show the same face of the sun exactly like our moon shows the safe same face of of itself to us so that's it and also um, importantly very importantly do you know that this the speed of rotation of the moon is very slow it's like 16 kilometers an hour 16 kilometers it's like walking base the moon rotates around it, it, itself in 16 kilometers an hour. And so do Mercury and Venus by 10 and, and 18 or something, um, or 12. I mean, they're all, they're all these Venus, Mercury, and Moon are the only objects we know of in, in our close vicinity that rotate that slowly. Jupiter rotates at, at, at supersonic speeds around its axis, and so does yeah. Saturn at 30,000 kilometers an hour. The a moon is is a, an object that rotates very slowly around its axis, always keeps its same face towards its host. That's the definition of a moon. And so do Phobos and Deimos. That is officially accepted. Phobos and Deimos also are tidally locked. They call it tidally locked. Tidally locked means that they show the same face to the host. Hmm. All right. So, you, you follow here, here, guys, because you know, you know about the moon. We always see the same side of the moon, and, yeah. and then we have the back side of the moon that we never have seen. And and Venus and Mercury is behaving in exactly the same way. They're always showing the same side to the sun. But and 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 uh, one thing that confirms this is that each time Venus is closest to the Earth we are always seeing the same side of Venus. That's, that's, that's a, mystery. a mystery that it's hard for astronomy to explain, you know. That is Because they are claiming it's not tidally locked. So, and, and <laughs> what, what we are seeing then is the, is the backside of Venus, you know, that we would never see if we, uh, if, 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 if uh, from would, the sun. I would like to emphasize this. For, of, for 
officially astronomers are saying that that is a mystery. Why does Venus always show us the same side of it when it passes closest to Earth? That you can go anywhere, uh, you can look it up for yourself, you will see that ah, that's a, we haven't understood this and still, why does Venus do that? So, and that's just one of many small mysteries that the Tychus resolves. You can go to chapter 31, where I list 37 mysteries which the Tychus model solves. Please do that. If, if, if you're not patient enough to read the whole book, you can just go to page 31, uh, chapter 31, and you will see 37 points that Tychus resolves. So there's 37 mysteries of modern astronomy which are not resolved. Well, point by point, step by step, the Tychus model resolves them effectively. Let me ask you, tell me about why Jupiter and Saturn seem seemingly behave erratically. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see you're reading my, my yeah. text I wrote today. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll I'll answer straight away. So that's that has to do with something which is called, which is famously known as the great equality, the great uh, great inequality. They were calling it in the nineteenth century or eighteenth. <clears throat> the great inequality. That's chapter seventeen. Okay. So what was the the problem then, and still is for them? They were seeing that <clears throat> Jupiter and Saturn, when they were uh, conjuncted with each other around the Earth, they would kind of, they would, they would, they would, they would they, they seem to be erratically conjuncting. They were not always lining up in the same way. Now, this is a bit long to, to explain, but you can slowly read this um, chapter when you have time. And they were saying, oh, this is a big problem because um, the most startling conclusions were drawn from these varia variations in the planetary motions. It was known that when the angular velocity of a body increases from normal century, hence it was inferred that the solar system would, in the course of ages, lose two of its most prominent members, that Jupiter would fall into the sun, while Saturn would be driven away into the depths of space. That was the big, big problem for them. They, according to their calculations, since they were not meeting up in um, uh, regular uh, phases, uh, the, the Jupiter would uh, fall into the sun sooner or later, or, and Saturn would be driven out in the, into the depths of space. This is from the Astronomy, Astronomical Journal, 1895. It's not that long ago. It's 1895, you know. So <clears throat> what was the problem? Well, it is this. I explain it here. This is this soul-only graphic of mine resolves the great inequality. This, this graphic of mine. You have to understand it, you have to look at it for a while, but the thing is that we, as I said, we do move a little, okay? In 60 years, do you see my mouse here? You see my mouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 60 years, we move from here to here, okay? We will do this motion in 60 years time. So let's say we are in, in, in the year 1900s here, 
and then 1960 is here, okay? So from 1900 to 1960, in 1900, we will see Saturn is slightly ahead of Jupiter, okay? Here, in 1900. And in 1960, we would say, oh, now Jupiter seems to be ahead of Saturn. So Jupiter must have accelerated. Mm. You see? Because it's just a yeah. question of perspective. But in reality, they, they, they are conjuncting exactly the same place. Uh, then, ah. Epoch 2. Epoch 2. Now, now they are, this is, you know, you see, Jupiter and Saturn are above the Earth here, and now they are below. In another epoch, they will be below, and the opposite will happen. Jupiter is slightly ahead of Saturn, say, says this guy here. here. This guy here, here, will say, look, Jupiter is slightly ahead of Saturn, perspectively. And then 60 years later, oh, now Saturn seems to be ahead of Jupiter. Saturn must have accelerated. So what's going on? First, it was Jupiter that was accelerating, and now it's Saturn that's accelerating. But that's just because they don't know about this motion, which I have placed, they, I have discovered. Wow. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if we assume that Earth is moving in this way, as, as uh, Simon suggests, you know, very slowly in an orbit of its own one point six. Then, then we don't have a, a great inequality. No. You know, it 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 works because we are, we are moving, and then then we will see it from a slightly different perspective. So we don't, you know, and the, 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 this is just one of all the the problems in within astronomy that you know astronomers rather don't talk about it, but they are there, and they have never been uh, satisfactorily solved, but. They have not been solved. They have no. not been solved. They, 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 they have claimed that they've been solved because they made some amazing calculations and yeah, it's it's like perturbations by the various planets and gravity perturbations and turbulences that create this. But no, there's no need for that. It's just simple geometry. We are moving by this much, and that will create this little perspective uh, difference, uh, you know, <laughs> variation. There's nothing, nothing complicated at all. That's why I'm, I keep saying the Tycho's is much, much simpler than, than the, 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 the currently accepted Copernican model. It is. It, why it's, do you think they want us to accept that? Just. To keep power, or so we don't know. Yeah, just don't have the real information, and we're we're all just following a stupid. I think we can. I think we 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 pretty much know now that, that the people in power really love to to keep us in uh, in ignorance, don't we? Well, would how you... many how many of them would you say know about this theory though? How many academics at universities know uh, the the details, the real the real details of what you just laid out? That's uh, impossible for me to. to but I guess at it, like I mean, how many of them? Because <laughs> we're talking then about the difference between dishonesty and ignorance, and I and I'm curious, mm -hmm. and that's a big distinction, really. I think it's an important distinction. I'm curious what you would weigh, how you would weigh that. Look, I'm I'm. And I, I, I just tell you frankly, I, I just hope to live long enough to see 
people uh, realizing that uh, this is uh, the only system possible. It sounds you... extremely pretentious, but that's I'm just waiting. Just waiting for people to... And there have been already, uh, <laughs> thank God, there have been some people who, who have uh, already um, caught, caught up with this. Mm-hmm. But how how do I know if, you know, somewhere, you know, in the deep state, <laughs> people do know about this? Well, I've always been... I've always been careful to 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 think that way, but more and more, I feel that yes, someone must know. Someone somewhere must know about this. Would yeah, you? exactly. You know that that was my my jo- journey as well. You know, when when mm. I started to to help help Simon with this work uh, five years ago, I I didn't know much about uh, astronomy. But you know, as I went along and 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 uh, developed the the Tychosium, I I learned and I started studying the the history, and I rather went from honest mistake to uh, deliberate uh, obfuscation and, yeah. and concealment. You know, because when you read sure. the explanations, especially from from royal society, you know the the royals. The astronomers there, like Bradley, when mm. when you know they did, uh, they they measured parallax to mm. to try to uh, find a way to confirm the heliocentric model, mm. but they they couldn't find a, a reasonable oscillation, you know, in six months because uh, you know if 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 Earth is moving around the sun. Uh, in a 300 million kilometers wide orbit, then you know this motion. I wanted to confirm it by, by seeing the stars move move a little, but but they didn't get six months. They get four months and nine months. I think it was Simon. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, all uh, detailed in in Simon's book, and then Bradley come up with an super weird explanation well you know if you <laughs> see a flag on a flagpole and it's waving uh, yada 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 uh, then this is you know it's so they they always put on this you know stellar stellar to, to keep things and and actually guys it's the same thing with einstein because yeah. in the late 18th uh, 19th century the heliocentric model was in big trouble. Why? Because uh, a couple of scientists called Mickelson Morley, they developed an experiment where they wanted to confirm Earth's uh, motion around the sun in 100 uh, kilometers per hour. 100,000. 100,000, thank you. And, and and back in then, they had a reasonable theory around uh, uh, electromagnetism that there was an ether that uh, magnetism and light propagates through. So and and they and you can confirm Earth's uh, rotation, daily rotation, using an uh, experiment like this. They have a special device that measures the polarization of light it's it's a bit complicated but so so they can they, they could confirm earth's rotation but they were they weren't able to confirm uh, the much higher speed 
around the sun, which is using called this trans, uh, technology, this, this translational translational motion of, of Earth. Translational okay. means the, the the speed it has in space. It could never, never. It has never been measured. This hundred seven thousand kilometer speed has never been measured in any experimental way. It is always failed. Yeah, yeah. So numbers, just man. What's your yeah, well, thoughts on Einstein? Yeah, where I was going was that because of this, because this experiment, and they couldn't explain it away, you know. And, and there was a guy, Dayton Miller. You can read all the details about that in Simon's book as well. Yep. Uh, he did thousands of these experiments. And they couldn't confirm any motion of 100 thousand kilometers per hour around the, around the earth so there was a big problem here you know or around the sun of earth and but then einstein came along and he said you know what there is no ether light is made of little particles that can can uh, uh, you know affect the time itself so that was a way to explain physics in another way so you could explain away this uh, experiment that compromised the heliocentric model. Are you following yeah. here? I have to. You know, I have so... to add to since you mentioned Dayton Miller, Patrick. Yeah. I have to say that there is even more that I discovered that Dayton Miller's thousands of experiments did actually find some kind yeah. of motion, and when you when you divide the motion that he's to put it simply, uh, you know, it's it, it's a bit hard to explain like this uh, over uh, you know on the air, but very basically, the speed that he saw that he found in his experiments, he was trying to find the speed of Earth around the sun. If you divide it by forty-two thousand six hundred thirty-three, which is my reduction factor, that the stars are that much closer. That becomes 1.6 kilometers an hour, which is the speed that I'm saying that Earth is is doing. And and it's in this uh, chapter 24. Uh, you will have to read it very carefully. So I talk about eight kilometer, well, 0 0.8 kilometers an hour because that's the half. That's half 1.6, and he found 0 0.8 kilometers an hour. Which is, you know, the average of, uh, you know, the two sides of. Uh, how to explain this? Yeah, I mean, well, we don't need to have to go into everything, but, but I but, mean, what, yes. what he did find. He, he did find this. something. That's what I wanted to say, Patrick. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I yeah. just want to say he did find something because it's very important to say this. He didn't find nothing. He found no. something, and if I divide it by my um, reduction factor, it gets it, it. It confirms my number of one point six kilometers an hour of the exactly. speed of motion of the Earth. Yeah. These thousands of experiments done in the early twentieth uh, century actually confirms your suggested PVP orbit. Yeah. Exactly. We find yet another confirmation in those experiments. Quantitative, quantitatively, quantitatively, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a hard word. 
it, it, I even quantitatively show that um, data and Miller's experiments confirm that speed that I'm saying. So it's really uh, quite exciting, guys. And and <laughs> I was this is pretty much you now deep into my book, Data Miller. Uh, what I really wanted to to show you uh, earlier was this: that Kepler, Kepler, at one stage, Kepler did. He actually did this. Uh, you see this um, graphic, the white graphic here. It's called De Motibus Stella Martis, which means in Latin, of the motion of the star Mars. This is his own drawing, Kepler. And uh, if you see, it's, it's very small here, but it says, here is Mars in 1580, and here is Mars in 1596. So this should be a 16-year motion of Mars. Well, if you go to our Tychosium, our, Patrick's and I, the Tychosium similar that we have done, <laughs> it is exactly the same. Our Tychosium shows this drawing that Kepler made, but he threw it away in a dustbin because he couldn't figure out what, why would Mars do these strange uh, things? Probably he, he couldn't understand why, why would Mars do these strange so spygraphs? This is amazing. You know, I, we have, we, you can go to the Tarkosia and verify this for yourselves. Now, can I, can I ask? It was here in 1580 and it was here in 1586. It is the photocopy of Kepler's calculations. Can, can I ask now, does your model are you able to make predictions like uh, eclipses or uh, yes. co co comets recurring? Uh, what kind of yes. accuracy are we looking yes. at? With all, all, all uh, hundreds of years backwards and forwards. I mean, uh, forwards is uh, using, you know, the NASA tables that they are predicting. But backwards, it, it is absolutely amazing. I can go back to... Uh, 396 BC, and uh, where was Mars then? Oh, it, it was there. It was observed to be there. But when did Halley's comet pass in yeah. in uh, in hundred uh, whatever BC? It was there. Because I mean, excuse me. Because Halley's comet, it's it's very uh, special because the the uh, heliocentric model and the current astronomy has a very hard time of being able to explain uh, the passages of, of Halley's. And uh, if you go and look at observed dates of Halley's, uh, they, they don't agree with actually with the, with the models of Halley's that exist today. And, 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 and the big problem with Halley's is that According to Tychosium, the, the, the Halley's Comet is actually passing Earth uh, uh, in loops, several in times. Loops. Yeah, it's moving. So, so you can see Halley's uh, several times, sometimes, depending on where the sun is, when it passes. But that is impossible in the, the current explanation where you have this high elliptical uh, curve. Let me explain you know. this better. Yeah, Halley's sure. Go ahead. Be, let Halley's can be seen in more than one year. Uh, 
because it, it does loops around us. So it, it, uh, they think that Halis does this. Okay, you see this graphic? This is the official graphic. Yeah. So officially, uh, it's doing a cigar-shaped orbit. All the comets, according to officialdom, are doing cigar-shaped orbits. And and the the reason why they came to this conclusion is described in this longest chapter of my book, the Halley's Comets chapter chapter thirty is the longest. I spent three years on this, and I show that this is a this is absurd. I mean, why would uh, any body in our system do a cigar-shaped orbit? Okay, uh, when asteroids do do circles, asteroids are s the same size as comets, more or less, but only comets do cigar-shaped orbits. Well, no, this is what uh, the Tychosum shows. Halley's goes around like this in seventy-six years. It, it comes back. It does a seventy-six-year circle, and always comes back after seventy-six years. 75.66. <laughs> and so what happens? Since it does this you know, these whole loops, it can be seen a year before or a year after, or even two years before or two years after. So you can you have a time span of three or four years in which you could see how it's, you know. And, and what do you know? They have seen so many, they have they have um, there are so many. There are so many observations of comets that came just one year before Alice came, or just one year after Alice came. And I've listed them all here. Every single time that Alice has been recorded to, to pass in the last uh, 300 years, there was an anonymous comet that passed before, one year before or one year after. But it was always Alice. So this is. Yeah, this do, is, do you think, follow? Excuse me, just ah, to explain. Yeah, it's always yeah. Haley, Haley's comet. Here's an example. Trying to here's tell you example. it's another comet. Halley's yeah, is, exactly. Because Halley's is not the the comet they see is not moving as Halley's is supposed to do. So then they automatically assume, well, this is another comet. Yep. Well, if if you if if we uh, postulate the the motion Halley's does in Tychosium, well, then you can demonstrate it is indeed Halley's comet, if we accept that it moves in this way, uh, and therefore it can be seen two years before or two years after it it actually passes closest to Earth because yeah, sometimes it passes really close to Earth. But that's why they have been so confused, and they made tables for Halley's, which are completely crazy. They, you know what they say officially? That Halley's is, is chaotic. It, it doesn't come back every 76, 76 years. Sometimes it comes back in 73 years, yeah. and sometimes it comes back in 79 years. Six years of difference. So for some reason, it will kind of slow down and accelerate for six years. That's what they are saying, yeah. guys. They are saying that Halley's is completely chaotic. No, it's not chaotic. It always comes back in 76 years. And 75.66. And um, so this is all here very much. This is the longest chapter in my book. This is, this, I mean, this will take you, you know, a week to read. 
but <laughs> I can assure you it is fascinating. Um, I, I, what is all this that I've written? I've taken all the uh, observations collected over the centuries, you know, from books all over the place. Uh, I read books in five languages. So I found French French books. I found English, Swedish books. I found anything. Uh, and I put it together and, and shown that it was always Hellas that was seen. And sometimes they, they called a, a certain passage of a, a comet's uh, another name, the Great Daylight Comet. They never thought it was Halley's Comet because she was going the wrong way, and and, and so forth. This is so, incredible. Yeah, this is amazing, guys. Well, this has been um, an eye-opening episode. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. It's just like I just trust the science. Nah, nah. I question I got, everything. I got That's one quick question. I, I got one quick question. We got a flat, a lot of flat earthers that listen. Is there a reason there's a lot of flat earthers because the heliocentric system is wrong and they can't fit it? Nothing works. Because sometimes you watch a YouTube uh, flat earth video and you're like, okay, obviously what they're telling us isn't true. Is all this misinformation the reason there's so many of them? Yeah. Can I also this one, uh, Simon? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's uh, psychology and propaganda. You know, there is there is a saying: uh, uh, the art of infamy is to have lies fighting each other, or the the devil's best trick is to have two lies fighting each other. So, actually, the the heliocentric model doesn't work; it's a lie, but it's it's a bit hard to to figure that out. But since it it's getting being questioned now, and and since NASA is being questioned, which also is a lie, they prop up another lie that is a bit more, frankly, absurd, and that is that Earth is a pancake, and <laughs> then they try to focus attention on that, and 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 some people start believing in it, but most people. You know, they just look, okay, uh, so they say NASA is fake. Who is saying it? Well, it's people who think the Earth is flat. Well, then I can go on, uh, you know, not thinking there is anything to this, that it's just a conspiracy. So you it's, know, you know, it's yeah. it's mind control. Many, several years ago, I think it was in 2015, 16, I wrote an article on my, my forum which is called the DBA, Flat Earth Operation. DBA means discredited by association. I think it's it's not itself that has promoted Flat Earth because NASA has been, you know, they've been worried about so many people waking up to their shenanigans. So they've had to inject, you know, a viral idea that the Earth is flat. So anyone who says that the Earth is flat, as as you probably have seen in all these YouTube videos of young guys who, who say that Earth is flat, they always invariably um, say that NASA is fake. So they associate people who doubt NASA with flat Earthers, which makes it less credible for the general public. And the general public will... You know, we look at these young people, you know, looking, you know, trying to find the truth and say, 
who are these guys who say that NASA doesn't go into space? Oh, they are the flat earthers. Oh, well, then I can completely dismiss the idea. So it's NASA, it's a NASA operation. The NASA propaganda division has diffused the flat earth meme. Uh, that's my that's my conviction. I've been crazy times. The yeah. comment section is going to be fire, <laughs> guys. I love it. Thank you guys so much for coming out. What a wonderful episode! <laughs> I'll make sure to include all the links to your book, to your website, so you, so people can check it out. Sure. And uh, well, I'm sure there's going to be some flat earthers that have some very interesting comments, but. I appreciate you, Simon. I appreciate you, Patrick, for coming on. And uh, we'll make sure to include a website, the link to your website, so people can check out your system. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We really do appreciate it. It was a great episode. All right. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Guys, I appreciate you guys. Uh, We got one more episode this week, but we want you to have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, we we love you, and we appreciate you supporting the show, and we will talk to you soon. Enjoy your week with your family. Talk to you soon. Take care. Lovely. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Patrick. Great episode. Pure fire. Pure fire. Guys, if you want to follow us on social media, please check out our social media. My social media is on Instagram. is at Sam, at Sam Tripoli. And then... On Twitter is official Tripoli. And then I if I add TikTok, and I don't think I'm going to, but right now I have real Sam Tripoli. Uh Johnny, what are your social media? Uh I'm at Johnny Woodard on Twitter, at Johnny A. Woodard on Instagram. And XG. Uh it is XG Marks the Spot, XG Marks the Spot on social media. And sh- Sam, should we start a TikTok for Tinfoil or is that a no-no? Oh, we yeah, have one. We have one. No, we have one. I'll give you the password. We have one? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Is yeah, we had, a, we had a conversation about it months ago, and you said make one. I, I, I put it on my social media phone, but then I don't want China hacking my shit. Okay? Hacking I'll give you guys shit. the password. Yeah, we do. It's at Tenfold Hat, I think, something like that. Okay, Tenfold Hat Pod, out. maybe. Something like guys, that. Guys, go to samtriplee.com. Everything you need is, in fact, there. Okay, if you go to samtriplee.com. All of our all of our dates are there and our premium content. Rockfin.com has everything you need. For there's a lot of stuff going on at Rockfin. Uh for ten dollars, you get everybody's content. I'm putting up to the, my best of my ability six episodes a week just by myself. Okay, Tim Fall Hat, two episodes, zero, my spiritual podcast, two episodes, and conspiracy social club with Brian Callen. Two episodes. We give you first look at Broken Sim, and we don't smoke the same is on there as well. Uh, Cash Daddies is a Patreon that I do with Johnny and Howie Dewey is an investment Patreon. A lot of great stuff going on over there. For $20 a month, you get regular... We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink. From the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.